everybody. Welcome to episode number 82 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I am your host, Bill, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Chris, we're back at it. It's been a while. Oh, I know, and it's such a nice day out here, you know. I was kind of hoping we were going to push this one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we pushed it any longer, I, I don't know if we'd ever come back. <laughs> it's very likely that we would not, because, uh, dude, no, the weather's getting nicer out. Uh, yeah, it's getting nicer out, and we're getting busier, so we have to try to force ourselves to do this when we can. And I am sweating to death here in the BTCRF, Chris, so we have to get right into it tonight. But tonight, we have a Patreon request. And you know how excited I get about those. Now tell us. <laughs> Jeez, Chris, please don't put me on the spot. Anyway, tonight's episode was requested by our lovely patron, Erica, from, oh, your hometown, Chris, Wilmington, North Carolina. But tonight, we're talking about something that you are all too familiar with. Something that you find yourself involved with all the time. Bud? Tonight, we're talking about a love triangle. When the hell have I been involved in a love triangle? Chris, please follow the script. And uh, to make matters worse, in addition to this being a love triangle, it's also a classic case of catfishing. But this is not your typical catfish case because this escalates to a point where someone actually loses their life. We are going to be discussing the 2009 documentary called Tall, Hot, Blonde. So, Chris, the documentary tells the story of two, quote-unquote, 18-year-olds meeting each other online in a chat room. And I, I guess it was a website called uh, Pogo.com, where there's all kinds of games and shit. I know Pogo games. I I freaking still have that app, I think. I used to play, uh, like, card games, like Solitaire and stuff on there. I didn't even know there was a chat uh, function on it, but holy shit, yeah. Self-destruct sequence activated. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> I'm not the tall, hot blonde, I swear. Are you tall, hot Chris? Back up, fucko. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Chris, uh, so apparently... I've looked at it, like images of it, and I didn't make it onto the website, but from what they showed in this documentary, there's like a screen full of like games. Maybe, I, I, I don't know, like you said, card games, word puzzles, I don't know. But there are like little chat rooms on the side where, you know, you can talk to people and you can see the player's name and whatnot. It doesn't really give your identity. You just have uh, whatever kind of uh, screen name you want to make up. And in this case, uh, as I said, we had the two 18-year-olds that meet online. One by an 18-year-old male who goes by Marine Sniper. The other was an 18-year-old female who went by the screen name of Tall, Hot, Blonde. So right off the bat, we have a Marine and we got a Tall, Hot, Blonde. It seems like a match made in heaven. Right, Chris? Or so it seems. The two begin conversing in this chat room on the gaming website, and uh, Jessie, who is the tall, hot, blonde, that's her screen name, contacts Marine Sniper, who is Tommy. What she ends up telling him is, I think you're in the wrong chat room, this is for kids, because Tommy's picture was that of an older man. 
But Tommy says, oh no, this is my father's account. I am, in fact, an 18-year-old who is destined to be a Marine and due to actually be deployed to Iraq. But we come to find out that perhaps he's bending the truth a little bit. How so? <laughs> so Tommy the Marine Sniper, as he refers to himself in his screen name, is actually a 47-year-old man by the name of Thomas Montgomery. Okay. Now, it appears that perhaps Thomas thought that he wouldn't be identified uh, as being an older man, yet apparently his picture showed just that. But he basically started backpedaling and saying, oh no, this, this is my father's account. So he is trying to convince this 18-year-old girl named Jessie that he is, in fact, 18 years old himself. So, Chris, we should mention that this was back in 2006. And for some reason, I feel that chat rooms were much more prevalent back then than they are now. I mean, are chat rooms still out there? Like, remember the website um, Chat Roulette? Have you ever oh, my that? God. I was actually just going to bring that up. I used to love going on a thing. Like, I would just go on there with, like, a... <laughs> my camera blocked <laughs> that doesn't sound good but I would go on there so nobody would see me and I would just go through different rooms and there's some weird shit on there man dude that must have been around for a while I remember that that was different though because you could see everyone's yeah. face it got it also got a little creepy too oh yeah you had some weird fuckers on there man yeah and I mean that right there just goes to show you I mean this and this is you're you're talking in chat rooms where no one's actually showing themselves and <laughs> It is literally just like the perfect spot for like pedophiles to just hide. And oh, and absolutely. That's exactly what they do. And you got to assume that whoever you're talking to is not who their online persona is. They, you got to think worst case scenario to protect yourself. Like this is some kind of basement dwelling blubber tittied cyclops. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you really have no idea what you're, what you're dealing with. And usually someone who claims to be something uh like like a tall hot blonde especially uh, is nine times out of ten not so yeah and um basically that's kind of what we got going on here with old marine sniper because uh as you said 18 year old tommy is revealed to be 47 year old married father of two thomas montgomery and uh it seems that thomas was not lying about being in the Marines because he was indeed in the Marines, albeit 30 years ago. And that's exactly how he presented himself. He actually sent Jesse a picture of himself as a young Marine. Why the hell she believed it? I don't know, because the thing looked like it was 30 years old. You know, it's not like it was a fresh looking picture. So he was sort of playing a role of his past life. And clearly he was trapped in his past life because this guy was bonkers. Yeah, and so in this documentary, they interview uh, Montgomery and he's there talking about what happened and how and why he got involved in this. And he just said that basically his marriage had grown stale. He was very unhappy with his job as well. He wasn't feeling very motivated. But from everything that we hear, he was a decent member of the community. Apparently, he taught uh, Sunday school. (laughs) I mean, not that that (laughs) means anything, apparently. But, you know, nonetheless, he was actively involved in the community. And his neighbors would describe him as, you know, a little bit weird, but a happy person nonetheless. 
you know, you look at him and he's just like a, a nerdy dad. So I don't think anybody would even have reason to believe that there was something going on behind the scenes because it just seems like an average dad in uh, middle class America. And that's the thing too, right? Like a guy that's married and has two kids, to, to anybody on the outside, that seems like a stable person, right? They, they've had the right mind to find somebody to marry them and then to have kids with and raise them and as, as long as they're not like fucked up. That would come across to me as someone who's stable. Yeah, and that's exactly how he played this off. So what happened is he's going to his job every day, five days a week, uh, and he worked in a factory as a machinist. And I don't know how much creativity and or excitement that that brought him, but uh, it seems like not much because he actually says in this documentary that he would go online to escape reality. And, you know... I look at it now, you know that fucking thing that they sell where you can put it on your head and you're like, you're playing like these virtual reality games, like the glasses like wrap around your head. I don't remember the name of it, but yeah, you put it, you put it, strap it onto your eyes and it's basically like you're wearing goggles, but you're looking at a screen. Yeah, Yeah, bro. I mean, that's where we are now. So back then in 2006, he was using uh, the chat rooms on Pogo as a way to escape his reality. And it makes me wonder, dude, where are we going to be in 20 years? Are we just going to be fucking mindless drones? Because to me, it seems like we're headed that way. Yeah, uh, definitely not looking good for society. But uh, please, Chris, uh, enough about you. Let's get back to your twin, Thomas Montgomery. <laughs> so Thomas, in his now new persona of being this 18-year-old, is basically back and forth, and, and things get a little... Uh, how do I want to put this? Steamy, I guess. Uh, the conversation between the two gets kind of sexual. Jesse starts sending these pictures of herself, and some being in bikinis, and now you're talking about this guy, Thomas, who's now really getting into it, because now he's seeing this much younger girl. I mean, he's getting the satisfaction of basically cyber sex and living this alternate life now that he can, I guess, have in his own marriage. So he's getting sucked in deep on this now. Right now, we have a 47-year-old married father of two from uh, upstate New York in your hometown, Chris, Chictawaga, New York. That's up near Buffalo. How many goddamn hometowns do I have? <laughs> <laughs> You're well-versed, Chris. So anyway, I'm willing to bet my bottom dollar that this guy probably does not get much attention from the opposite sex. And we find out via Thomas in his documentary that um, him and his wife did not have much of a sexual relationship. As a matter of fact, he declared himself to be impotent, at least when he was trying to be sexual with her. And that only exacerbated him wanting to escape reality and him wanting to be with this quote-unquote tall hot blonde because he's seeing her and he's like thinking oh maybe I, I can land a girl like this he's looking at his married life and he feels that it's grown old and tired he's not very interested in it and he's not attracted to his wife so he's looking for other outlets and we should mention that jesse claims that she is from west virginia so they are obviously not close to each other either no, and I, I think, uh, like the old saying goes, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Maybe this distance even played a role in the romanticism of this story, knowing that they just could not, not, not be, be together. together. So, Chris, within the walls of these Pogo chat rooms, there's a number of people. And I guess 
for the most part, they'd become friendly with each other. And one such friend was actually this gentleman that Thomas worked with by the name of Brian Barrett. Oh, he went by your nickname, Chris. Beefcake. What? <laughs> so, we come to find out that Brian is a 22-year-old co-worker of Thomas. So, they work together as machinists at the same factory. Now we're in real life. Okay, so Brian is the 22-year-old co-worker of Thomas, the 47-year-old. And Brian is on Pogo.com in the same chat room. And, you know, these two are talking that they work together. So then Thomas introduces Brian to uh, Jesse, a.k.a. Tall Hot Blonde, in the chat room. And they all start talking, having a good time. They're playing their games and all the shit. And everything seems to be going well and good. Nothing seems to be out of the ordinary. And as we come to find out... Thomas, who was going by the name of Marine Sniper, did not reveal to Brian that he was portraying an 18-year-old Marine. He just sort of leaves it as if Jesse thinks that he is who indeed he is. So this online relationship continues for months, and Marine Sniper and Tall Hop Blonde, as you mentioned, Chris, were getting a little hot and heavy in their own little private chat room. And Chris, it's actually revealed in a documentary that they were sending items uh, via the mail to each other. So, you know, this guy, Thomas, he must have been in deep because he had the balls to give this woman his home address so she can send him stuff. I mean, how fucking risky is that if you're trying not to get caught? Or, you know, maybe he was trying to get caught, Chris, because uh, what we come to find out is kind of uh, interesting. It's revealed to us that one of the items that was sent to uh, Tommy in the mail by Tall Hot Blonde was a pair of, I guess you would call them, panties. I don't know why I had to say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just stop right here for a quick second, though. Jesse could be a dude for all he knows. I mean, how many times do these creepy guys pretend to be girls? I mean, you're absolutely right. This guy has no idea who the fuck is on the other end. I, he's either crazy or dumb as shit. Or maybe a little bit of both. I think he's being driven by hormones. Yes, indeed. And now I'm starting to wonder when the, the, the panties show up. Uh, did everything begin... I don't want to unphrase this. Working again. I don't want to imagine that, but uh, <laughs> thanks for putting that thought in my mind. So this guy is digging himself a hole that is going deeper and deeper and deeper. And if we take Tall Hot Blonde at her word, she's an 18-year-old high school student who's going on to college. What does she have to lose? She has nothing to lose uh, compared to uh, Tommy here, who has a wife and two kids, a home. I mean, he's really putting himself in a position to uh, throw his whole life away. So, are you saying that in the case of Thomas and his impotence, what goes up must come down? Nah, no, nah, come on, man. No, we're not doing it now. I there, guess. This is becoming a hack job of a show. We're just not doing that tonight, Chris. <laughs> um, well, I, I think you do have a point there because uh, the fairy tale as we know it, unfortunately, or fortunately, as I tend to look at it, comes crashing down because Chris on one fateful day while Thomas was out his wife Cindy finds something Chris what Cindy find 
Well, it appears one of the packages that Jessie had sent to Tommy, and I don't know if that's the panties or not, she finds this package that was mailed from Jessie, and she decides, oh no, no, I'm gonna send a letter and a family photo showing that Tommy is really Thomas Montgomery, a father of two, and has a wife. So she sends a note to Jesse with this family photo and says that there is no Tommy, it's Thomas Montgomery, and here's a picture of him. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying these words myself. This is clearly from this article I've read. Basically, I'm, I'm sorry, Chris, uh, I don't mean to interrupt, but can you describe some of the physical characteristics of Tommy? Cindy decides to point out to Jesse that Tommy is, in fact, a balding, middle-aged pudge ball <laughs> with no, two no, kids. Yeah, I'm sorry, a, a what? A balding, middle-aged pudge ball <laughs> with two kids, end quote. I mean, she has a point here, because I, I'm looking at uh, Thomas, and he does not seem to have all the physical attributes that he described to Tall Hot Blonde. And uh, some of those attributes uh, were uh, him being in great physical shape, having very broad shoulders and an extremely muscular body, and being well-versed in a, a variety of weapons, as well as his hands, Chris. <laughs> Going back to this letter that uh, Cindy, the wife, wrote to uh, Jesse, gotta give her a lot of credit, man. She took the high road here, and she actually stated in the letter, and I quote here, Do not trust words on a computer. Let this go. You will only be hurt by a man who has mastered the art of manipulations and lies. Sincerely, Cindy Montgomery. So she's looking at all this, and she thinks she's dealing with an 18-year-old girl who's roughly the same age as one of her daughters. She's basically giving this young lady advice on protecting herself from sexual predators, a.k.a. her husband. I mean, she must have been done with this guy, too. She's describing him as a pudge ball. She's telling this girl that he's a predator and a master manipulator. Coupled that with the fact that they don't have a sex life, she must have wanted out just as bad as he did. Well, there's your out. <laughs> you can say that again. Well, there's your out. <laughs> you can say that again. Well, there's your out. This show is going down the tubes, man. It's going down the tubes. <laughs> I wonder how many people are going to have listened to this and thought that something happened and then, <laughs> and then turned off the podcast. It's just another attempt for a cheap laugh that is getting anything and everything but laughs. <laughs> and, and, so, and so now we have a situation where you have a heartbroken Jesse. Mm. She, she receives this and she thinks, my God, uh, I have been speaking with this guy for months and thinking, you know, I, I have feelings for this guy and now I'm heartbroken that, that I just found out that this is a 47 year old dude. What she ends up doing for revenge is actually reaching out to Brian, the coworker of Thomas, who is 22 years old under the handle beefcake and begins flirting with him instead as a way to enact retribution for her broken heart. And this makes an already disturbed Thomas Montgomery off the hinges even further. He's absolutely irate over the fact that his non-existent relationship with a non-existent person is coming to an end. And it's crazy too, because 
like you said, like he's been very much into this and he's legitimately very, very much jealous now to the point of rage. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And his anger builds. He is angry at both Brian and Jesse. As we said, he works with Brian. So Brian is actually part of his real life. So to take things to the next level, Brian and Jesse then concoct a plan to make Thomas even crazier. So they go all over the chat room and they're like, this guy, Marine Sniper, is actually 47 years old. Don't trust him. He's a sexual predator. And so everybody in a chat room is kind of disowning Thomas and whatever. That's all online in a chat room. Nobody knows who he really is. So, I mean, he's pissed about that, but whatever. It's something you can get over. But now we come to find out that Brian starts actually telling people at their job about what's going on. So now Thomas has to face real consequences for his actions, you know, like he's being mocked by his coworkers and everybody's kind of looking at him side-eyed and kind of laughing at him and making fun of him and, you know, thinking that he's probably a sexual predator. So this only enrages Thomas to a point where he is about to snap. We come to find out that now a very visibly angered Thomas begins making threats, and his threats are going towards Jesse and eventually towards Brian. Now, it's one thing to threaten Jesse. Now, mind you, too, he has Jesse's address, right? They've been sending each other things. Yes, he does. So that's one thing for this Jesse person to be frightened about. But Brian as well, because Brian actually works with him, and he has to see Thomas almost daily. We're in a situation now where Thomas is literally saying, and I actually have a, a quote here that I'm going to read. Mm. This is what Thomas sends to Jesse. He says, and this is referring to Barrett, that he made a very deadly enemy. And then he says, you have done what I feared most. Turn my heart ice cold. And then he writes, Brian will pay in blood. And it appears too that Jesse is actually kind of egging this feud between them on. She's really trying to make Thomas jealous. I mean, this is all a game, clearly, to, to Jesse. It's unfortunately going to lead to a very costly consequence. And as you said, she just keeps playing games. She's playing games with Brian, basically telling him that she wants to be with them, and they're having, you know, I guess she'd call it cyber sex, or they're writing each other shit in the uh, chat room. And then... You know, so she's ignoring Tommy and Tommy's trying to talk to her. He's writing shit and he's getting more and more aggressive, calling her a whore and a bitch and all this other stuff. So she logs out when she sees him and she's basically paying more attention to Brian. And then she accuses Brian of just wanting her for sex. So then she gets mad at Brian because he's not giving her the love and affection that Thomas was. So she then starts trying to lure Thomas back in. And this continuous game that she plays acts as a catalyst for a very awful event. Chris, uh, can you tell us what happened? So one night in the factory parking lot where Brian and Thomas both worked, Brian was actually leaving work to go into his truck. The tires of his truck were slashed and hiding close by was Thomas. And as soon as Brian enters his truck, Thomas comes over and fires three shots at Barrett, killing him instantly. My God, man. So 
this has now escalated to the point of murder. Someone losing their life, a 22-year-old kid just shot down in, in cold blood. I mean, it just goes to show you, too, like how sensitive a situation this was and how deep Thomas was into this cyber relationship with this girl. With someone you've never met. Clearly, obviously, a horrible situation now ruining not only the family of Brian's lives. I mean, now they're, they're going to be completely distraught, but his own family, his wife and kids now in a situation where their father is a murderer. But we're not done with the twists here, Bill, because what did we come to find out? So now, Chris, uh, the shooting happened on a Friday night. And now fast forward to uh, Monday morning when the body of Brian is discovered inside his truck. So right then and there, a murder investigation begins. And they begin asking questions around the factory. Was there anyone that Brian had an issue with, any conflicts with? And all fingers pointed to Montgomery. So one thing leads to another, and the police begin to unravel this uh, whole situation. And they find that this girl, Jessie, is at the center of it. And they have her address, Chris, because as you so elegantly uh, told us before, Cindy, the wife of Thomas, got the address off of a package that Jesse had sent to Tommy. And New York State Police contact the West Virginia Police, and they go to Jesse's house. It seems that uh, when the state trooper went knocking at the door and asking to speak to Jesse, she was nowhere to be found. But someone did answer the door. Jesse's mom, 45-year-old Mary Shiler. This is where things begin to get a little bit more bizarre. The cop's asking her questions. He's like, can you get in touch with your daughter for me? I need to talk to her. Can I have her phone number? And she's like, no, I, I don't know where she is. Uh, I don't have her phone number. There's no way for me to get in touch with her. And the cop's like, the fuck you mean? It's your daughter, right? And she keeps denying it and denying it. So that at this point, the cop's suspicions are raised. And they begin to execute a little investigation of their own. To make a long story short, Chris... We come to find out that Jesse's mother, 45-year-old Mary Shiler, was pretending to be her daughter, Jesse. The entire time, it was the mom. Jesse was never online. The mom was sending pictures of her own daughter and having cyber sex as if she was the daughter. And to make matters worse... She would take pictures of Jesse without her knowing, and she would send them to Montgomery. And it didn't just stop with Montgomery. She was doing it with a bunch of different men. And it's even pointed out that one day she put a video camera up her daughter's skirt and sent the video to a bunch of different men. Chris, have you ever heard of something so depraved in your fucking life? I thought... That Thomas Montgomery was a sick fuck? This is worse. Holy shit. Uh, imagine doing that to your own child. And, and, and that's what that's the worst part about it is she's not only pretending to be someone else, she's pretending to be her own daughter and using pictures of her own daughter, putting her own daughter's life at risk because they have the address. Yeah. She, 
At, what, I, I, what if uh, Tommy says, you know, I'm coming down to get you next? Exactly. And, and he's going after the picture that he knows of, of this Jesse girl, which is this woman's daughter. I mean, what a sack of fucking shit. Yeah, and if Thomas went down there looking for Jesse, he would have come across Mary. And let me ask you this, Chris, uh, now that I have you here, I'm going to ask you three questions. You be honest with me. Having investigated some of the visual aspects uh, of uh, Mary Shiler here, is her screen name accurate? Is she hot? I mean, this is all... uh... Answer the question. Is she hot? It's all a matter of perspective, Bill. <laughs> all right, in your eyes, Chris, is she hot? Uh, I would have to say a hard no. Okay. Is she tall? <laughs> oh, Chris, just define, say no. <laughs> define tall. Uh, at no, no, I, I guess you would say no. She's and uh, finally, is she blonde? Well. If gray is the new blonde. (laughs) So now that this is revealed, Mary is being questioned by the police, but she's not charged with anything because when they look through the messages, she did not encourage the violence. She did create the jealousy, but she did not encourage the violence. So whenever Thomas would threaten Brian, she was like, no, you can't do that, Tommy. You can't do that. Even though what she did was just a completely morally wrong thing to do, She's not being charged with anything because there is no charge, at least at the time, for the act that she committed. Let's go back to uh, upstate New York, Chris, because now the police have Thomas Montgomery in custody. And at first he's attempting to deny it. Why would I kill anybody? I'm a Sunday school teacher, an upstanding member of this community, all the other bullshit. But during the investigation, Chris, uh, the police find something very interesting and it makes me think that uh old tommy boy is not as smart as he thinks because as you had told us chris he uh, ambushed brian's truck from the driver's side but on the passenger side of the vehicle where the tire was slashed there was a peach pit nearby someone was eating a peach and disposed of the pit by spitting it out right near the truck The police secure the peach pit and send it to the lab. The results come back. Whose DNA do you think is on that peach, Chris? Tommy? (laughs) None other than Thomas Montgomery's. Can you believe it? You come up with this fucking plan to maliciously kill someone and ambush them. And and in the midst of that, you just spit a peach out of your mouth with uh, your spit and saliva all over it. Yeah, well, we know that this guy wasn't very bright, so... Yeah, so he is definitely not playing with a full deck. And before they were going to trial, Thomas's defense was planning on the old not guilty by reason of insanity. But after looking at all the evidence, uh, Thomas's lawyer <laughs> decided that there's absolutely no way that's going to work. And if he decides to go that route, he is nearly 100% going to be found guilty and... If he is found guilty, he's going to be facing 35 years to life. So they encourage Thomas to plead guilty and accept the DA's plea bargain. Do you know what that plea bargain was, Chris? To tell. A mere 20 years in prison. 
Because part of the plea bargain, Chris, was that he pleaded guilty not to murder, but to a reduced charge of first-degree manslaughter. Could you imagine how the parents of Brian Barrett must feel? And now you're talking about a family who is not only just angry at Thomas, but I would be just as angry, if not more, with Mary. She instigated the whole thing. In the documentary, they actually interview Mary's husband. And you got a feel for this guy because he's out working every day and she's sitting home playing these fucking bullshit games and having cyber affairs with various different men. And that's bad enough. But then you realize what she did to your daughter and sending basically sexual images of her around the internet. And these pictures are still out there today. You can find them anywhere. I mean, what a sick, depraved human being. And the last we hear on the documentary is that Mary's husband divorced her and her daughter, Jessie, has not spoken to her. And this documentary came out in 2009, so I don't know if uh, they've even spoken to this day. But I would imagine that even though it's your mother, there'd be a hard pill to swallow to be able to trust someone who did that to you and ever have a relationship with that person again. Three families' lives are just ruined and shit like this probably happens more than you think. Oh, I sure. bet. Yeah, I mean, there's catfishing going on all over the place, man. And uh, just to top this all off, Montgomery was sentenced in 2007. So if all goes well and he stays out of trouble, it looks like he will be getting out of jail in August of 2027. I don't know, man. This is really just a disturbing case all the way around. But uh, that's the world of catfishing for you. And this was a double catfish. You don't see that too often. No. And uh, let this be a lesson to all of us. Be careful who you talk to online. Because I would say nine times out of ten, it's never who you think it is. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, with all that said, Chris, let me get the rundown. And mercifully, we can get the hell out of here because we are running right now <laughs> at 95 minutes. And uh, see what I can whittle this thing down to. If you want to get in touch with... <clears throat> oh, there it is. You want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com or you can get in touch with us on Instagram, Between the Cracks Podcast, or Facebook, Between the Cracks Podcast. Anywhere uh, you go digging between some cracks, uh, you'll be able to oh, find whoa, whoa. <laughs> You'll be able to find us. If you'd love to become one of our lovely patrons and request a show like Erica did tonight. I mean, please feel free. The link to that will be in the show notes. See what we have to offer. Not I mean, much. No, we don't have much, but <laughs> we actually have nothing to offer. But please just, uh, you know, click the link and help us keep the lights on here. So, Chris, with all that said, Chris, I say, with all that said. Okay. Why don't you say we wish to find fine people out in podcast land? The fondest. Oh. A farewell. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> all right. You know, whatever. This is, I think it's going to be okay. We had some cases. This was a good one. This was, uh... I feel like we were pretty-